Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. This, to me, and, and I'm sure you have some of the same feelings that I do, there are favorite times of mine during the week. This is a funny time, of course. We can't meet publicly, and we have to wear a face mask when we go out uh, shopping, and uh, we, we have to be very careful in washing our hands uh, often and also uh, using the, the uh, different types of antiseptic uh, hand wash, sanitizers. So we do things differently. But like I say, if you're like me, you probably have a favorite time during the week, whatever that might be. My most favorite time during the week is right now. Because this is when I get to talk to you about Jesus Christ. And I really live for that moment. In Matthew or Mark chapter 1 at verse 37, the Bible says, and, and we have the chart before you in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, but in Mark chapter 1 at verse 37, the apostle Peter and the other apostles came to Jesus and, and they said, all men seek you. What he was saying was, all men are looking for you. And, and that's something, we're looking for Jesus and we want to find him. And, and as we read the New Testament, as we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we, we find that, that the writers use a lot of illustrations. And Jesus used a lot of illustrations regarding his life and regarding those who were looking for him. And in order to use those illustrations, he used uh, different forms of speech. He used similes and metaphors and hyperboles and irony and he used figurative terms, but he actually was talking about abstract ideas, things that actually took place. So in the, in the parables, for instance, and he spoke to them in parables, in the parables he actually compared truth with his life. And in other instances he simply made a statement like this business of seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. So he was saying seek, and he basically was saying, find me, look for me, and find me. And that was in a, in a very physical, very concrete form. On several occasions, he asked them to look for him and find him, and sometimes he said, you can't find me. So we use those illustrations to help us define the truth. The Old Testament is a book of illustrations. The Old Testament was written in order to show us that something good was coming. And the Bible calls the Old Testament as a, it calls it a book of illustrations or a book of examples. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 at verse 6 says, These things happened unto them for examples unto us. Now, what we're using the examples for at this point and the parables is to define our search for Jesus Christ. We're looking for Him. We're looking for God. And Jesus was the Son of God, and He is, according to Matthew one twenty three, He was God in the flesh. So the people at that time were looking for Him 
in a very concrete fashion. They, they, were, they were seeking him. Where are you, Jesus? And, and as they looked for him, he would make statements along this line. Seek me, look for me. And when he talked to people and he used parables and illustrations, they weren't always aware of what he was talking about. And as, as we, as a illustration of this, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, says that he, he spoke to them in parables because seeing they see not and hearing they hear not. However, we live beyond that time. And as we read the New Testament, not only the books of, of the uh, Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we read the book of Acts, and we read the book of Romans, and on through the book of Revelation, and we know, because we live in a time where we understand the mysteries that are contained in the Scriptures, and we understand what Jesus was talking about. At that time, they didn't understand it. They didn't understand what he was saying. And these were examples that really did not have the impact on them that they have upon us. So when we talk about looking for Jesus Christ today, we're talking about looking for him in a way that they didn't look for him. I'm not looking for Jesus in the flesh right now, and you're not either. We're looking for Jesus in another form, but it actually in, in, a, in a real form, in a actual form. Now that form is going to, going to take place by him being present in my life. I know that Jesus lives. I know he lives now. Now you say, well, okay, he lives, but he's up in heaven. Yes, he is, but he is also somewhere else. And that's where we have to find him. We have to find Jesus. Now, the place we're going to find him is, is a place of faith. We live by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And my faith is developed by the Word. So the Word tells me, for instance, in John 1, verse 1 and 2, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. Now when we begin our search for Jesus, we're looking for Him in a form that He does, that was not in at the time that He was setting forth these parables. He was in a physical form. I'm looking for Him in another form. And I'm looking for him in a form that is defined by faith, and that faith is defined by the Word. So the Word tells me, God's Word tells me, that I can find Jesus, and I find him in the Word. Now that's the way he comes to me. Now, this, this sometimes gets a little complicated. Jesus can actually live in my heart, but he can only access my heart through the Word. He lives in my heart by faith, but His access to get into my heart is through His Word. Romans chapter 10, verse 6 through, 6 through 8 says, The righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, Say not in your heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So I'm looking for Jesus. Where am I going to look for him? Well, I have to look for him where he lives. 
and he lives in my heart. Wait, how did he get there? Well, the Bible says he can live and dwell in my heart, Ephesians 3.17, by faith. He's in my heart by faith. But how do I have my faith? Where does my faith come from? It comes from the Word. So as I open the Word, and this is wonderful, there is no other system on this earth like this. And that system tells me that this Word has the power of the Holy Spirit to open my heart and open a door and give me the faith I need to let Jesus Christ have access to my life and He can literally, actually live in my heart by faith. You say, well, that's, that's just your memory. That's like when, when your parents die, they live on in your memory. Well, that's right. They live on in your memory. But they don't live like Jesus lives in my heart. It doesn't work that way. They do not live in my heart like Jesus Christ lives in my heart. They live in my memory, and they live. my heart is fond of them. But Jesus actually, through the power of the Word, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, actually takes residence in my heart. I never knew Him personally, so I have no real recollection of Him physically. But I do know Him because I know Him through the Word. That's what this text says. Don't say, well, who's going to go up into heaven and bring Him down? Or who's going to go down into the grave and bring Him up? No, the Word, it's the Word that we teach, He says, in the Gospel. Romans ten eighteen says, But I say, have they not heard? Yea, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. There's some very practical aspects of bringing Jesus into our lives. And there's some very practical aspects of finding Him. Now, Jesus used some concrete examples, and they were just examples. Sometimes they were physical, figurative, and figurative language is used, but that does not mean that they were not actual. They were actual. So you can actually find Jesus, actually. And you actually find Him by faith, and you actually get your faith from the Word, and He's actually there. He's in your heart. That's where He lives. That's where He wants to reside. Now, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, talk about the fact that Jesus was coming. And sometimes He's referred to as the kingdom. And so when John was saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, He's talking about Jesus. Jesus was close by. And when the kingdom came, it meant that Jesus came. He is the kingdom. And He takes up His residence in our hearts. That's, that's where God wants to rule, in our heart. Okay. If, so if I want to find Jesus, and this illustration that I've used or chosen is a footprint in the sand leading off to somebody. Well, that means that we're looking for, we, we've got clues. We have an idea of where He is. And therefore, we want to find Him. If I want to find Jesus, let's, let's just assume that, that I don't know Him. That I've never heard about Him. But I want to find Him. Seek and ye shall find Him. So how do I find Him? How do you find anybody? You usually ask somebody that knows them. If you go into a, a community that you're not aware of, that you haven't been a, a part of, that you're familiar with, you usually go somewhere and ask someone, if they know such and such a person. 
So if I'm going to, to look for Jesus, I'm going to ask about him from people that I believe might know him. I'm not going to go to the bar and ask the barkeep if he knows about Jesus. Because he probably doesn't. He'd probably laugh me out of town. I'm not going to go to a nightclub and look for him. I'm not going to go to the Mardi Gras with all the costume people and start asking people that are all dressed up and disguised. Do you know where Jesus is? Do you know where that would get me? I'm not going to go to a rainbow parade and, and ask some nude guy on a bicycle whether or not he knows about Jesus. I don't think he does. If he did, he wouldn't be doing that. I'm not going to go to an entertainment center seeking information of Jesus. I'm not going to go to a concert looking for him. I'm not going to go to a rally and look for him. I'm going to go to people who I think might know something about him. Well, you know where I'm going. I'm going to go to a church somewhere. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can find somebody that claims that they know something about Jesus and, and see if I can find him through them. Now, I looked for Jesus a long time ago. And uh, the right way I looked for him was, was not unusual because I, I have a preacher friend of mine that I, I just made his acquaintance with some time ago. And he told me he did the, kind of the same thing I did. What I did was, when I was looking for Jesus, I looked for what I wanted to find. I wanted to find the right church. That's what I was looking for. And I ended up, it took me a while, but I ended up finding Jesus. That's what this man did. He said he went around to churches and asked them if they could tell him about the right church. And that got him involved. And when you get involved in the Word, you're going to eventually, even though you're looking for the right church, what you're actually looking for is Jesus. And eventually, you're going to get the road map out and you're going to find him. Now, that doesn't mean we'll always find him that way. But that's the place we probably were going to look. We're going to look at some place where people claim to know something about Jesus. Now, as I said before, it's, it's not, it hasn't always been easy because Jesus told some people in John chapter 7, you can't find me. In John chapter 7, there, there were Jews... And uh, they were they were following Jesus, and they were criticizing Jesus, and they were they were trying to form their own ideas about Jesus. And finally, he said, "You'll seek me, and you won't find me. Where I am, you can't come." Now that's kind of blunt, isn't it? It confused them. Then said the Jews among themselves, "Where will he go that we shall not find him?" Will he go to the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this, he said, you'll seek me and can't find me. Well, assuming correctly that Jesus was talking not simply about finding him physically, but he was using language that would give them some abstract, some concrete idea of how to find him. He said, you're going to look for me and you can't find me. Well, does that mean that he'd hide in a corner and they play hide and go seek and they couldn't find him? Certainly not. He's teaching a broader truth, isn't he? He's saying, I'm going somewhere. You're not going to be able to find me. Where was he going? Well, you know where he's going. He's going to the cross. And he came back and they still couldn't find him. Why? Because they were 
not willing to leave their old life, obviously. Assuming correctly that he was talking about their hearts being open to him, it's apparently that they were not likely to find Jesus because they were slamming the door in his face. You're not going to find him. If you slam the door of your heart in the face of Jesus, you're not going to find him. You don't have a chance. In John 8, verse 21, Then said Jesus unto them, I go my way, and he's talking to the same type of people. You will seek me and will die in your sins, because where I go, you can't come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself, because he said, where I go, you can't come? He said unto them, you are from beneath, I'm from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And obviously, they can't find him. You're not going to find him. You're going to seek him, can't find him. Why? He said, because you're in your sins. He also told the apostles, just before he died, in John chapter 13, verse 33, he said, little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I go, you can't come. So now I say to you, wow, where I go, you can't come. He was going to the cross. And they did not go with him. That's a problem. If, if you do not go to the cross, you can't go with him. You can't find him. Well, the question we have, obviously, is, where are you, Lord? How, how am I going to find you? In uh, John thirteen thirty six, this same context, when Jesus said, where I'm, where I'm going, you can't come, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Whither I go, you cannot follow me now, but you shall, be follow, you shall follow me afterwards. So where I'm going right now, he was going to the cross. He said, you can't come, but you'll come afterwards. They were able to come to Jesus after his resurrection because their hearts changed. They had a change in their outlook of Jesus. This statement was blunt. It was shocking. It distressed them. It insulted Peter. He said, Lord, I'll, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, I, I'll tell you what, Peter, the cock will crow twice and you'll deny me three times. So Peter didn't follow him, really. The question has led, where are you going, Lord? Where are you going? I'm going to look for you. So the question has led a lot of people to go off in a diverse direction, looking for Jesus. It's not unusual to find someone who says, you know what, I'm going to go sit on a mountaintop and see if I can find Jesus. I'm going to meditate, find him. I'm going to look for him there. Another person says, well, you know what, I think he's, I think he's in a solitary place. I'll go there. And what, what they're doing, really, is they're, they're looking inside themselves and they're trying to get some sort of a, a spiritual insight and follow and finding Jesus within themselves somehow, on a mountaintop, in a desert place, in a hermitage, wandering around, maybe even chanting in a sweat lodge, hopped up on the peyote, and hallucinating, looking for Jesus. And you know what Jesus said about this? He said, that, "That's not where you're going to find him." Matthew chapter twenty-four. 
at verse 25 and 26, he says, Behold, I've told you before. If, you, if they so say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Don't go look for me in the desert. He said, Behold, he's in the secret chambers. Believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now let's pause here just a minute. I'm going to tell you something. When you find Jesus, you're not going to find him in a secret, Kabbalistic, ritual environment. That's not where you're going to find him. It's going to be a straightforward experience of faith. As you're reading the text or you're talking to someone about Jesus in the Word, you're going to find Jesus and it's going to be a lighting up experience. Your heart is going to light up like the fireworks on the 4th of July. When that Word touches your heart and throws open the doors and you see Jesus and you let Him come into your life, you're going to feel the presence of God and salvation. And you're going to find Jesus, and that's the way you're going to find Him. He's not far from us. He's close by. It's not as if you have to travel around the globe to find Him. Acts 17, verse 27 28 says, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own prophets have said, for we are also His offspring. That's what happened to the apostles after the resurrection of Jesus. You remember, and Luke records it in Luke chapter 24, when they came looking for Jesus, the women did, on the first day of the week after He resurrected. They came looking for Him. And when the women got to the tomb, Mary Magdalene and and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and another Mary, there are three of them, I believe, they got to the tomb, and they saw two young men in the tomb. And one of them, or maybe both of them, said in unison, I don't know what the text just said, they said, Why seek you the living among the dead? What are you doing in the tomb? He's not here. He's living. Why seek the living among the dead? We can find Jesus. Now, what, what we want to look at, and what I want to look at with you is a text that's found in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. And that text has to do with the fact that people say, I want to follow Jesus. I will follow him. I will find him. When I was younger, little, when I was a little guy, my sister was older. And wherever she went, and she usually went some, somewhere where I thought was a, a great place to go, I wanted to go with her. The little guys want to go with the big guys. We want to go. So here, was, here were some people, and this is just an illustration, and it is an illustration that Jesus used, a figurative illustration, of how we ought to be trying to follow him and find him and be with him. But this text, and I'm going to read it, Again, in Luke chapter 9, at verse 57, talked about people who wanted to be with Jesus, where he was. And this says, It came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, we're, let's go back to what we were talking about to begin with. 
Jesus is going to be in our hearts. He's going to be in our hearts, living with us every day. It's something that no other system on earth is able to replicate. You're going to find something with Jesus that you can't find anywhere else on this earth. Jesus can personally be with you in your heart, in your heart by faith through the word, access to the word, when your heart is open. Now, the, he dwells in our heart by faith. So when he's talking about this text, he says, a certain man says, I want to follow you. I want to be with you. So he's talking about the heart, really. He's, he's not talking, when Jesus is talking about this fellow coming, he's, asking, he's talking about how he has to commit his life, commit his, his heart to him. So let's make the application, the illustration. What Jesus said to this man was, he said, the son of man, he said, first of all, the foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The son of man has not where to lay his head. So Jesus said, if you want to be with me, he said, I'm, I'm literally a homeless man. I may have a little tent somewhere on the sidewalk downtown. He said, I don't have any, I, I don't have a home. I don't have any place. He said, I don't have a place to lay my head. No place to lay my head. Now, what's the application? It's obvious to me. Is it to you? He has no place to rest. Has no place to lay his head. Is there a place in your heart for Jesus to lay his head? Can he rest there? Is there a place in your house? And the Bible talks about your body as being a house and your heart being a place where God occupies. Is there a place in your heart for Jesus to lay his head? Is there a place, do you have a spare bedroom for him in your house, in your life? Maybe a manger? There was no room for Jesus in the inn. Is there a room in your inn for Jesus? How about the basement? Is it, do you have room for him in the basement? Out of the way? So he doesn't disturb anything when you have guests. He doesn't embarrass you. He's, he's living with you, but you don't really want to let everybody know because he might disturb your guests and might put a damper on things. Does he, does he feel welcome in your heart? Or does he embarrass you? So when Jesus said, I have no place to lay my head, you know what he was talking about? I know what he's talking about. He's saying, you, you don't have any place in your life for me. There's no place in your life for me. He, he wasn't talking about living on the streets like a, a homeless guy. He was talking about the fact that this fellow that's talking to him had no room for him. Nobody had any room for him. You don't have any room for me. Does he make your friends feel uncomfortable? Jesus said earlier, he said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. He that denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus, does he embarrass you? Are you afraid that your friends will know that he's living in your house? That's what he's talking about here. This man says, Lord, I'll follow you. Jesus said, you don't want to, you don't want to be with me because... You don't want me to be with you. That's what he's telling them. Let's look at another phase of this. This other fellow says, he said to another, he said, follow me. So the first guy, 
He said, I'll follow. And Jesus said, well, I don't have any place for you to live. There's no place in your life for me. This, then he turned to this other fellow. He said, come on, go with me. Oh, man, that stunned this guy. Wait, 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 Lord. Wait, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I've got the, I've got something to do. What have I got? What do you got to do? I've got to go bury my father. You know, I read this years and years ago, and I read this text, and I thought, "Hey, that guy, that guy's got a got a good good point, doesn't he?" He said, uh, "I've got to go bury my father." Well, there's a funeral planned, and he's 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 got to go attend to it because he's the son. And, Etc. 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 And I thought, well, that sounds like a good excuse, good reason. What we have to do is take a look at the fact that he's he's making a quick excuse. There's a, there's an illustration in Luke chapter 14, verse 16 through 20, of a man who was making a, a feast, a banquet, and he was inviting all of his friends. And the first guy said, I I'd like to come. But I bought some land and I've got to go look at it. See what it looks like. The next guy came along and said, I bought five yokes of oxen and I've got to go see if they know how to pull a plow. And the next guy said, and he he probably had the best excuse of all. He said, I married a wife and I can't come. she, She won't let me come. Well... They were making excuses. That, that's what this guy did. Just quick. I, I can't come. Sorry, Lord. Can't come. Mark Twain had a good excuse for not lending anybody his axe. He didn't like to lend things to people. And so the fellow finally asked him, his neighbor finally asked him, why, why can't you loan me your axe? And Mark Twain says, I use it to pick my teeth. Uh-huh. Well... And then when he was further quizzed, he said, any excuse is as good as another. So it was just an excuse. What about this guy? I have to go bury my father. You know, we have to look, first of all, at the ritual of burying Jewish burials. First of all, when a person died, an individual died, the body was not prepared for viewing that's what we do. We prepare a body and let it lay in the in the morgue or at the at the, uh, the cemetery, and uh, we go look at it and see the person, tell them goodbye, and so forth. They didn't do that. Matter of fact, death to the Jews was something they needed to get behind them quickly. So they buried a person within 24 hours, and they still do. They're buried within 24 hours. And they have someone staying with the body for that period of time until it goes in the ground. Attendant. Well, this man says, I've got to go bury my father. You're not there? If, if you have to go bury him, why weren't you sitting with the body? What, what's going on? Well, he was making an excuse. After the body went in the ground, they, they mourned for... Seven days. That's it. I have to go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. 
he was referring to this guy, basically. He wasn't referring to the family. This man had, had stepped away. His father died. Why wasn't he sitting with the body? What, what was he doing somewhere else? So it was simply a lame excuse. And we can see it as that. But the point is, we sometimes make lame excuses too. Well, Lord, I would like, I would like to worship you, but I, I've got company coming. Or I'd like to follow you, Lord, but I've got other things I need to do first. And so Jesus looks at me and says, Okay, Bill, let the dead bury their dead. See you later. And then in verse 61, another one said, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. Now that seems reasonable, doesn't it? I want to go say goodbye to my mom and dad. Then I'll follow you. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus said this to these people, they were aware of something that we're probably not aware of. They were aware of a text that they could read in the Old Testament in First Corinthians or First Chronicles, First Kings. I'll get it right in a minute. First Kings nineteen nineteen through twenty one, involving a man, a prophet by the name of Elijah, and he came across a young man who wanted to follow him and be his attendant. And his name was Elisha. So Elisha told Elijah, he said, I'm going to come with you and I'm going to be your minister. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be your your second. I'm going to be your attendant. And uh, so Elijah just sort of dismissed it, but he he told him he he could attend to himself. But Elisha said, I've got to go home and first of all, say goodbye to my parents. Now that's, that's just like this, isn't it? This man is saying, I want to go say goodbye to everybody. And Elijah told him, go ahead and do it. And Jesus said, basically, he said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know what Elisha did? He went home. Elisha was, was a, quite a farmer. There were 12, 12 yokes of oxen. That is, 12 groups. Two, 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 two. There were, there were 12 groups of oxen. And he was plying with the last one, so they must have had a, a swath that they were cutting through the ground to plant. And he was the last one. So he said, I, I, I've got to go tell my folks goodbye. Okay. And you know how he did it? He went home and he took the yokes that he was using, the wooden yokes, and he made a fire. And he slew the oxen and he made a feast and fed everybody. What did he do? You know what he did? He burned his bridges. What is Jesus telling this man to do? You want to follow me? Burn your bridges. He said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looked back is fit for the kingdom of God. So he's telling the man, do what Elisha did. Burn your bridges and come on. Follow me. Commit yourself to finding Jesus. Now that's what we're talking about this morning. I will follow Him. I will seek Him and I will find Him. Now, we're seeking Jesus Christ together. You and me, we're seeking Him. He's close by. I know He is. 
I have a copy of the New Testament. I can open the book and I can feel the presence of God every time I open God's Word. I can feel Him there. I know He's there. I can read about Him. I can pray to God through Jesus Christ. I I can find Him. He can be found. And He can be found easily. And I know He wants a place in our hearts. He wants a place in my heart. He wants a place in your heart. He wants a place where He can lay His head down and be at rest. And He knows that I can make excuses, and you can too, very easily. And He also knows I can be convinced of my faith and avoid those excuses. And He knows and I know that with Jesus I can look ahead to the good things that He has for me in life. And I know, you know, we can burn our bridges and we can commit ourselves to Him and never regret the best decision that we've ever made in our lives, and that is to let Jesus come into our lives and let us find Him.